Welcome to Episode 9 of the Smart Planning 101 Podcast. I'm Nicole Whip, and I'm your host. It's time to face facts. Getting older can be scary. And when you, your spouse, or your parents are getting up there in age, being unprepared can turn the golden years into the darkest years of your life. That's why the Smart Planning 101 podcast is here to shed some light on intelligent estate planning, strategic financial decision-making, healthcare options, and all things related to growing older with dignity. Here's your host, elder law attorney, Nicole Whip. Hello, smart planners. Today, I am pleased to present part two of my interview with Jim Swain, a nationally recognized expert on veterans' improved pension planning. If you missed part one, find it at smartplanning101.com forward slash eight. That's smartplanning101.com forward slash eight. Veterans' improved pension is a wonderful benefit that may be used to assist veterans and their spouses or the widows or widowers of veterans with out-of-pocket medical expenses, such as at-home care, assisted living, or even nursing homes. Some of you may be familiar with this benefit when it's called aid and attendance, and although that's not the real name of the benefit, that is what people commonly call it. In this episode, Jim and I will continue our discussion about the devastating effects annuities and other financial products may have on your long-term care planning and your estate planning. Also, we talk about when someone should see an attorney about Veterans Improved Pension, when family members should start getting involved, how important the right type of financial power of attorney is, and a lot more. Thanks for joining me. I think also a lot of um, facilities that make referrals to individuals like this don't understand those repercussions, right? This is a, this is sort of a public misnomer or misunderstanding. Would you agree to that? Uh, The assisted living homes, a lot of times it's it's down from corporate. They're told to work with certain people and they, a lot of these companies have gotten burned very heavily by doing that. And, you know, but the people in the facility have to be careful how they do it and work with you because they don't want to get in trouble with corporate, but they don't want to get in trouble with their clients either. So you have to show them how you can work with them. And when I show them all the things that we have to do as an attorney and all the things that have to be taken care of before we get to the veterans pension planning, then they understand that they can refer me in on a lot of other issues without violating their corporate policy on letting these annuity people get to their, to their clients. So we'd ever come to that. Well, right, because if a family member realizes that because of the referral the facility made to an annuity person or an insurance person, that their loved one became disqualified for other benefits and actually sometimes more valuable benefits, the family's going to be extremely angry. And so it's really not in anybody's best interest to go down that path. Well, it isn't. And it's... and the. And quite frankly, the problem is for attorneys as well is that's a lot to learn. You've got to have a a mixed background because you can't uh, stay in one area and be able to deal with it. You can't be an elder, just deal in elder law and say, I deal with Medicaid only. I don't deal in tax issues and I don't do it with wills and I don't deal with inheritance issues or investment issues because you can't separate them all. They're all intertwined and You've got to do a little research. I tell clients all the time that 
you know, you've got to refer to me, but you don't know. And it's your job to make the decision. You're, you know, it's your, you should be in charge of this pick. You, if you need to talk to other people, you talk to them, but you have to interview the attorneys to find out if that's the person you want to work with, and if they have the requisite skills to deal with the issues that you have, and they're going to listen to you. Because it doesn't do any good if you try to force things on them. It's not going to work. Well, do you think that that's one of the big fundamental differences of this area of law compared to others? I mean, as you and I both know, um, attorneys are not the most well-regarded public servants. And so, but yet this is one area of practice where I think that um, how you were saying at the beginning, that being a steward and being a uh, counselor to people, it is a different type of practice and it requires a different skill set. And people may have a different feeling about lawyers when they're dealing with people in this kind of way. Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the point is that uh, you have too much control over people. So the ethics has to be there. I mean, it, quite frankly, I know that in a lot of ways, if you look at it, people are, people are bewildered when they come to us. They're frightened, they're confused, and they're easy to manipulate. So for a person that's going to take advantage of them, that's a horrible situation to be in. And, you know, we know, and you know you've got that kind of power, but you don't use that power because it's not conducive to a good life. When should somebody come to see an attorney about the Veterans Improved Pension? At what point is that? Is that an appropriate conversation? Uh, I think when you're doing estate planning, if you're sitting down getting your wills updated and your health care powers attorney, you need to broach the subject because that person is doing your trust or wills when you're even a lot younger could cause problems that would prevent you from qualifying for this at a later date. And we teach courses for estate planners on this all the time because the trust that you set up for someone in their 50s could cause a situation where the money is trapped when they're in their 70s and we can't get it out of their names in a trust locked in and we can't get them qualified because they got the income off of it and the VA doesn't understand trust law, so they're going to count it. Uh, a lot of times, if they're in their 70s, we might go ahead and do the veterans planning instead of doing trust and save them some money because the planning is going to be the same and get everything in place. One thing a lot of people don't understand, and I happened to be talking to a lady just a little while ago because our father had died before we finished the application. We started it in the first of the month and he died. He had some complications and he died on us. And she wanted to know that she needed to go forward with it on her mother because her mother is pretty healthy. But they forget that when we do veterans planning, we're doing more than veterans planning. We're actually doing advanced Medicaid planning, but maybe even more important than that, we're doing asset protection planning. Because the planning we do to qualify for someone for the VA now or in the future protects the money from theft and scams. And that might be a more important thing than anything else because so many of our seniors, the family members are waiting too late to get involved in their lives. And there's disarray and they've lost money. They don't know what happened to it. And they wait way too long. So I try to get, when I'm counseling families, even in their mid-60s, 
it's time to start talking to their children, getting them a little bit more involved about what's going on. And definitely into the 70s, they should be bringing them into some consultations on it if they're trustworthy enough, which is sometimes a problem. But it's getting the whole family unit working together to understand what's going on. And that keeps us from getting that situation because so many of them don't. It's all crisis planning. They're last minute. They're going to assisted living home tomorrow. We need to do something. Or they just went in assisted living home. We need to do something now. We can't find documents. We can't find papers. We, family members are finding things month after month. And one the other day, after we had filed for VA, she found a $97,000 IRA. So now we got to pull it back, wait a year to, before we can file again. We have to let that 12 months run out from the date we pull it back, not from the date we found it. Well, they'll lose $24,000. They did find $97,000, so there is a good side to this. I'd much rather find a ninety-seven, but it's very aggravating because if they found it first, there's things we could have done about it and prevented them from losing that year's qualification. Do you find also that a lot of times people's um, plan is defective in terms of their powers of attorney? Very much so. Powers of attorney are usually just something off the internet or looked out by as bad as something off the internet. And there's nobody customizing for their circumstances. What do you say to these people, Jim, that... So, because this is something that I deal with every day in my practice, and I'm sure you do as well. And I'm, you know, you you train attorneys. So, you know, when people come into this office and their attitude toward um, the situation is, well, I already have that taken care of. I already saw an attorney about my powers of attorney. I have my powers of attorney. Um, what is your response to that? Uh, until I say you've got a power of attorney, you don't have a power attorney because I, you're asking me to do planning that's all comprehensive. I have to see what you got. And, and not to say anything bad about what you did. Life has changed now. Circumstances have changed. The powers of attorney that we need to do at this stage of life is so drastically different than what you would do in your, when you were healthy and in your 70s because we have to have very expanded powers. And a lot of times we can't get them because the person's not competent to do it any longer. If we can at all, we want to do expanded powers of attorney, which means we're not going to do a three-page power of attorney. It's going to be 15 to 20 pages long. And the reason being is the courts keep redefining what should be said in a power of attorney. Long after the person can no longer do one, they come back and say, but you didn't say this, and you didn't say that, and now the state law says you got to have initial that you can do real estate transactions. And now the state law says you've got to very specifically state that you can give money to yourself as the agent, or you can give money away to the children, or you can do Medicaid planning, or you can do VA planning. You can do, they're getting very specific about these things. And there's nobody with a power of attorney out there like that that was done six months ago or a year ago. So they're going to have to be changed, and we want to change it real quick in case Something happens in the next month or two, and health changes. So we want them done real quick. Uh, wills may or may not need to be changed, but most of the time, 
they do just because they were sloppily done to begin with. And we see so many wills that really don't say anything. I see even trust. If people bring trust in here, they paid several thousand dollars for it, or they got it off the internet and it's cost several thousand dollars. Well, I've had people that have come into my office with taxable estates. So here we're talking well over $5 million and they have five to 10 page trusts that were drafted by attorneys and they think they're all set. That's, that's criminal. Well, yeah, it is criminal. And those people, just like many other people that walk through the doors of our offices, including people with simply a lot less money that believe because they went and saw an attorney one time or because they downloaded something off the internet or because they got some estate planning package from some financial expert, um, they believe that they are all set are really deceiving themselves a lot of times. And also, they're also deceiving themselves because this isn't just a one and done situation. Wouldn't you agree? Right. Well, we see a lot of uh, problems with attorneys changing fields. They, they got a software program. Now they can do all this estate planning. The problem with that is the software programs will let you make just as massive a mistake, no matter how expensive the software is, if you don't know the questions to ask. And the questions can be very, very involved. And uh, one of the biggest, one of the most money I ever made on the probate estate was because a real estate attorney had done the will and he cost the marital deduction and and the reason was the guy was wealthy and he had an invalid wife so he couldn't leave money to her so he left money to be used for her and I mean he got to use his state exemption but because you did not give money to her you lost the marital deduction it was going to cost him four hundred thousand dollars and I got the attorney and said, why did you do that? He said, that's because that's what he told me to do. And I asked him, are you a secretary? Or are you an attorney? You know, you're supposed to tell him how to do it correctly. He's supposed to tell you what he wants. You're supposed to do it correctly. But don't you think that there are clients that walk in the door thinking, you know, so this is, this is meant to be for those people out there that are listening that might be a client of an attorney. This isn't a, a, client, a conversation for attorneys themselves. So, you know, the thing is, is it's not proper, would you agree, Jim, that a client would come in and tell an attorney what to do? That's sort of the lesson of that story. The attorney is going to advise the client about what to do based on their situation, but the client doesn't dictate the result. The attorney's job is to to make sure that the client's desires do not conflict with the laws to accomplish his goals. If it does, and it will occasionally, you have to tell the consequences of that decision and make sure he understands that what he's doing can be done in a more efficient way and let them make that decision. But it's your job to know what those problems are. If you don't know what the questions are, and you don't know what the problems are, you have no business doing that work. And so attorneys a lot of times think they've got to do everything that comes in the door and they're scared to turn away any business they would be much wiser to uh, associate with other attorneys that specialize in the areas that they need and find an area that they can specialize in and work together that way because then they can cover those things that our clients will appreciate. So, Jim, I know that you've got to get moving along here, and I really appreciate your time today. Is there any other 
thing that you feel that somebody listening to this, if they're trying to decide whether they should apply for Veterans Improved Pension for a family member or for themselves or for, you know, a loved one or somebody they care about, what, if anything else, should they be taking into consideration? Uh, one thing they got to get over. Sometimes the cheapest attorney is the most expensive attorney. And I say that for a reason. Your attorney might seem like you're very expensive, but if they're knowledgeable in the areas that you need, they're going to be able to do it right the first time, do it efficiently, and probably take a lot less time to get it done than the person is trying to learn while you're paying. So you got to understand that you're looking for profit. You should earn a profit from whatever you do. Your attorney should be able to show you that they're going to benefit you immensely. But those that are cheap usually find out they wind up paying a lot more. I don't do the same thing if I'm having somebody fix my house. I don't want the cheapest person. I don't necessarily want the most expensive. I want the most value for my dollar. That's important. And can't, can't speak more highly of it. This concludes my interview with Jim Swain about Veterans Improved Pension Benefits and also about how to choose a lawyer when trying to seek this benefit. To read more and learn more about Veterans Improved Pension, please visit smartplanning101.com forward slash nine to read our show notes and to get more information. Thanks for listening. Now that you're starting to get the knowledge you need to make better planning decisions, don't let your journey stop there. Nicole's incredible guide, Five Tools You Need to Be Truly in Control of Your Future, includes smart planning options and worksheets you can gain access to right now. And the best part is you can download it for free by going to smartplanning101.com tools right now. Time is flying by, so don't wait another day to download this must-have guide. And we'll see you next time on the Smart Planning 101 podcast. The information contained within this podcast does not constitute legal or financial advice. It's for general informational purposes only. For advice specific to your situation, consult with your legal or financial professional.